For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, presented by Manscaped and part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. I am Nick. I am joined by the usual crew. It feels like forever since we've been back. I here. know. Amanda and Ryan are with me tonight, and we are throwing it back old school style, or you know, back to two weeks whenever the last time we did a full episode together was. Uh, but they are with me. We have a a cool, fun draft for you today. Kind of switching things up, obviously. Uh, but first, how you guys doing? It's been a little bit. It has doing great. It's good to chat with everybody all at once. Um, you know, summer's coming to an end, getting ready for me to go on vacation. So our everybody being together will be short lived because I'll be gone next week. But uh, yeah, See ya. <laughs> we'll enjoy. Uh, it's it's it fine. We got September call ups coming up, so we can replace you pretty easily. We got depth now. Wow, wow, that's hurtful. That was a, that, that was a baseball joke. This is a baseball <laughs> podcast. Like we should, you know, roll with it. Holy shit. It's a riff. Oh God. I cursed. <laughs> wow. Out of practice. Somebody's out, out of practice. practice. I'm just saying. Well, that's what I get from mixing podcasts. Cause like the other one I do is just like, you know, we let it fly there. There's no censorship. Ah. Can't, can't tell me my rights. You're not the boss of me. Exactly. Ryan, how you doing? Feels like I it's am been forever since I've seen you. I know it's been the mere hours. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am doing well. It was a nice weekend. I went to the BMW Championship over the weekend up at uh, Owens Mills. It was very hot and very hilly, so my calves have been feeling pretty good this weekend. But uh, I'm happy the gang's all back. In uh, I can confirm. Like I said, I saw Ryan today, and he is a crisp, nice little honey mist tan going on. After the <laughs> beach and you know, 18 holes in the sun yesterday. Yeah. Uh, wow. Being a, a nice tan going on. Being at a golf tournament for eight hours does wonders for your skin and 95 degree heat, in case everyone's wondering. <laughs> yeah, that sounds miserable. <laughs> yeah. So, not my idea of a good time. Anything that would yeah, be eight hours hurt. outside <laughs> in this weather is not my idea of fun. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure your back hurts after carrying this podcast for so long through through tough times so it's completely understandable (laughs) but as we appreciate you ryan definitely plenty goes unappreciated so our quick pitch today obviously with the nats as currently constructed they're not as competitive as we may have expected coming into the season or at least some of us um but think of understatement yeah we want to highlight some of the most uh, undervalued or underappreciated nats in history so 
That's what it is. Who is the most underrated or underappreciated Nationals player of all time? Underappreciated. Um, I have one. Ah, no, I'm going. I'm going Tyler Clifford. Oh, like, that's, oh that's a good one. That that's a good mine. one. I have all going, these well, stats pulled I'm, up here, ready to go. I mean, we we didn't have a draft. There was no draft order. Amanda, if you were ready, you should have fired. That's what you get for not pulling I know. the trigger. That's what I get time. for trying to be polite. Look, I swear he to God. who hesitates is lost, but like <laughs> I hesitated and I still won. <laughs> <laughs> He who isn't Ryan and hesitates. The way that expression. I'm glad we agree. Clifford, he just played during a time when, you know, the team wasn't that competitive until the last couple of years he was here. And and so I think people lose track of just how good he really was for this team. And he was, he was just reliable and exciting and he licked his hands way too much. But other than that, I really liked him. Yeah, never would have flown in today's world with no. the pandemic and COVID. I mean, just can't have that on a on a baseball team. Um, no, I, I agree, especially because he was always the seventh or eighth inning guy. There always seemed to be, you know, whether it was Drew Storen or Soriano or uh, I don't even know who was before that. It was, it was always like Clippard. I know it was Sean Burnett one year. Mm-hmm. Jerry Blevins was back there for a while. But Clippard was always the steady guy. And he was our only all-star representative that one year as well. So definitely undervalued agreed and i think seventh eighth inning guys often are closers is like a sexy position and they get all the they get all the headlines and they get all the attention but having a great setup guy is is a hugely important thing for a team to be competitive and clippard never really got his due i think yeah and that was kind of the the movement uh i i feel like i mentioned him a lot but it's just the first one i can think of in recent memory that kind of brought attention to the setup guy role, and that's Dylan Patances, because New York tried to make him, the Yankees, that is, tried to make him the closer for years and years and years. He just couldn't do it, but he was always one of the best relievers in the game still. He just didn't have the saves because for some reason he just had a mental block in the ninth. And then you got into his arbitration and all this stuff, and there was also an increased emphasis, really when the Royals kind of went on their run, of the three-headed monster in the bullpen and, you know, seventh, eighth inning guys are just as valuable as, you know, the closer as well. You have to be able to get to the ninth for it to even matter. Sometimes the save is in the seventh or eighth. Exactly. And that's where like holds, uh, I mean, they're never going to be as valuable or like as regarded as saves, but holds are very important. And it's kind of where you see the setup guys and relievers get their due, even though they might not be getting the opportunities in the ninth to, to lock down the save. Holds are extremely valuable. So that that's where you see, you know, obviously Tyler Cooper missed that, that movement, but that's where you see these guys now getting, getting their, uh, their fair shake because they get a hold now, even though it sounds weird holds, not nearly as like, I saved the game. I held the game. Like hold, holds just doesn't sound as good, but at least mm-hmm. it, it's something. But if you don't hold the game, there's no save to be made. Exactly. This is true. Uh, mine is again, pitcher. Uh, I'm going to go Doug Fister. Cause uh, Doug Fister was all, he was always penciled in as like the fourth, sometimes fifth guy, but he always performed like the two guy. Cause it seemed like, you know, during those years, uh, I mean, who would have been it? Scherzer, I guess, I think Zimmerman overlapped at the same time, um, you know, Strauss, obviously Geo. So Fister was always like the fourth or fifth guy penciled in, but he performed at a much higher level because it seemed like the, the guys that quote unquote ahead of him never performed uh, at their best level all at the same time. There was that one stretch where they went on 
you know, the starters went on like 42 innings of scoreless baseball. That was, that was awesome to see, but Fister was also a part of that. So that's kind of like where the underappreciated or underrated comes in because Adrian Sanchez of his era. Annabelle. Annabelle, I meant. Did I say Adrian? <laughs> you know what I meant. Annabelle Sanchez. Uh, I mean, to an extent, but yeah, Fister was, but Fister was damn good for a couple years. It wasn't just, uh, you know, a playoff run. Not to take anything away from what Annabelle did in the 2019 run, but you know, he Fister, had a really good run in the in the regular season too. But yeah, and, and it was for several years. Uh, I can't remember what deal that was that he, because I'm pretty sure we traded for him. I can't remember who we traded, but it ended up being such a like great deal eh. i can't remember the trade far. either but i do remember we got rid of him at just the right time too before he fell off a cliff so yeah that was nice the... we got the best out of fister and then he was gone yeah it was very belichickian of uh mike rizzo there just to get rid of a guy right before he stinks uh if only he did that with a couple other players in the at you, Jordan Zimmerman. um but uh well i mean since we're talking about the jordan zimmerman deal it, it's just wild too think about how differently these past few years could have shaken out if Desmond wasn't greedy and if Zimmerman wasn't greedy this team's looking a lot different yeah it is actually that's one of those alternative histories that would be very very interesting is what would have happened if we had just kept Desmond and like all the things that came after that didn't occur this Mm -hmm. team it would have been a very very different stretch of years and I know that uh, that's one of those deals where Desmond must have, what did he sign for? Five million bucks after turning down the offer from the Nats? Yeah, he ended up getting a nice deal from Colorado, but I'm sure Colorado's not necessarily happy with that deal either. No, um, I wouldn't say that one worked out very well for them. Because it's like you, you probably still trade, end up trading for Trey and Joe Ross, and Trey is going to force your hand shifting Desmond to, a, I assume, center field. But if Desmond's in center field, do we ever see Robles? do we trade Robles for someone else because we have to put Desmond in center field because we're paying him so much and we can't bench him. Like, do we ever see Juan Soto? Like it, it's just these weird, yeah. you know, butterfly effect, right? Butterfly, the ripples in the pond. Exactly. Exactly. So always cool to think I'm sure there, there's plenty of more underrated, underappreciated guys. Um, and probably ones that knowing this fan base, no one's really that underappreciated because they overvalue. So I say that we're people. more likely to overappreciate than underappreciate people in this town. But right, <laughs> right. But one person we will never underappreciate is Ryan. Ryan, what do you got for us? It is a fantastic week in baseball. We are almost in September, which is the best month of the year. The worst stretch in MLB history is over. The Baltimore Orioles have finally done it after losing a almost record, 19 straight games. They won a game doing the unthinkable. They beat Shohei Otani. They score four runs off of him, finally snapping their streak. Shohei Otani is the first Japanese-born player in Major League Baseball history to hit 40 home runs in a single season, and he was the third American League player ever to reach a 40-20 season before September. The Tampa Bay Rays finished their season series against the Baltimore Orioles going 18-1. and They're the third team in the divisional era to ever do such a feat. Yankees are 9-1 and one in their last 10, and they have gained exactly zero games on the Tampa Bay Rays, but they've separated themselves from their heated rival Red Sox. Kyle Schwarber has the best slugging percentage in baseball since he made his debut for the Red Sox. The Angels 
excuse me, the A's playoff hopes are currently taking a huge hit as they are three and seven in their last 10. Dodgers swept the Padres, putting them more in the hole as the Padres are on the outside looking in with one month left to go. To the NL East, in fifth place are the 55 and 76 Marlins. They took two, three from the Reds, and they now have the Mets. In fourth place are the 55 and 74 Nats, more of them in the second. In third place, we have a, what's that? I am being told we have a very special keeping up with the Mets. The 63 and 67 Mets, who won the series against the Nats, had quite the weekend. Oh, I should say quite the Sunday. Javi Baez after the game said the Mets thumbed down celebration after big hits is a message to the fans. He said, quote, in my case, they got to be better. It's just how I feel. I love the fans. I like playing for the fans, but we can't have our fans against us. End quote. Baez wanted to say that if they boo us when we aren't successful, we will boo them when we are successful. Uh, Mets GM Sandy Alderson released a statement saying that the fans have every right to boo this team. The players' actions are completely unacceptable, and they will call a meeting. It's always a good idea to isolate your players, and we already have Mets players tweeting laughing emojis after this situation. In second place are the 66 and 64 Phillies. They took three or four against the Diamondbacks. Bryce Harper has somehow, surprisingly, the best OPS in baseball. And the Phillies bullpen continues to be atrocious as Archie Bradley had yet another bad outing. They face the Nats next. In first place are the 70 and 59 Braves. They took two or three from the Giants and they have the Dodgers up next. The Braves are the only team in the National League with a running record against all current NL playoff holding teams. This has been your week in review. Make sure you head on over to T Public and search Half Street High Heat to keep up and check out all of our latest swag and newest designs for t-shirts, mugs, hats, laptop covers, anything you want. We got it. Head on over to T Public and search Half Street High Heat is good advice yeah so the thing with the orioles ending their winning streak against shohei or their losing streak excuse me against shohei otani was hysterical to me and the mets are always hysterical to me did you see uh trey mancini and i can't remember who he was with they were um lighting incense in the dugout prior to the game and then they ended up winning against shohei otani so now they have to do it all the time yeah, so apparently it's just like an everyday thing. They need to have like a, a Sunday mass in the, in the dugout before they, you know, go out and play. But knowing the the recent history of that team, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. Let so. me let me ask you this: ask what, me anything. What AMA. is <laughs> what is more impressive, the Orioles losing nineteen straight or Chris Davis is over fifty six, losing nineteen straight? Oh, I uh, strongly disagree. I'm saying Chris Davis. Mm-mm, I disagree. Losing gonna... 19 straight is difficult to do. Like you don't see the like, guys get in slumps. Well, not over 56. Oh, oh, that was the oh, over well, 56. That's because generally you get sent down or DFA. That was the, the longest to, oh, streak in MLB history. But think about it. Like when you're up to bat, like so many weird things happen lead to a hit. You hit a slow grounder, it hits the bag, you're safe. You have a broken bat bloop that just falls. Stuff like that never happened for him. Like 0 for 56 is unreal. That's a record. 0 for 19, not a record. Uh, I, I just feel like there are other guys who have been on terrible hitting slumps that if they had been allowed to continue trying might have gotten to 0 and 56. 0 and 19 is a very impressive streak to me. Uh, I'm going to wait. So I, I've, I've been focusing on which one 
what was the question again? Can you rephrase? <laughs> which is more which is more, more impressive? impressive? The Orioles okay. losing 19 straight or what Chris Davis did? It, it's got to be Chris Davis, in my opinion, because like even you you see pitchers, you see John Lester lucking the hits, you see, you know, Bartolo Colon lucking the hits. And and with Chris Davis, there was the history there of him being uh, an insanely good hitter, but then all of a sudden, within the span of a year, there, <laughs> there's literally freeze frames of him swinging while his eyes are looking in right field, and the ball hasn't even crossed the plate yet. Like <laughs> it, it was just insane. It was I, a weird seen... one. It had to be mental for him, right? Like that had to just become a mental block. At some well, point. it's funny because I'm pretty sure he got suspended once upon a time for, um, uh, like it was Adderall. So I think he was taking Adderall and there's something up with this prescription. He's actually, he was actually prescribed Adderall, but his refill, he didn't get cleared by the MLB or something. So they suspended, there was something to do with Adderall, right? So it's like, when you see something like that, is he just off his meds and he's completely, you know, just just distracted by everything, like chasing butterflies, like maybe, I don't know, but I feel like you should. Over 56 is tough, man. <laughs> like you, you should be able to, you know, do something. But then again, 19 in a row. I don't know. It, it's these are both feats they're only both done very by the Orioles. <laughs> yeah, they're both done by Orioles players. But you know what's impressive to me is I knew there was a lot, but I didn't know what the exact number was. The Phillies have blown 26 saves already this year. Wow. Also impressive. It, if you just you know, cut that in half because obviously you're going to have some blown saves over the course of the year. If you cut that in half, they have 13 more wins and that puts them granted. It doesn't put them insanely ahead of anyone, but it puts them in first. Firmly in certainly. Contention, yeah. Right. So it's just like the one, not the one, because they have plenty of holes, but the primary, primary area of need was the bullpen because they had a historically bad bullpen in 2020, even worse than the Nats 2019. And they are still uh, maybe not historically bad. I don't know what the record for blown saves in the season is, but still this bad. And Archie Bradley, who was supposed to be their quote unquote prized reliever. I mean, he's just blown saves left and right. Well, our prized reliever was Brad hand. So I guess I feel their pain and he got us Riley Adams. So, you know, what a prize indeed. Yes. Not exactly the way we thought, but I'll take it. It worked out, worked out. So let's get into our Nats and talk about the series. Uh, you know, more of the same, but hey, we won a game. It wasn't it wasn't a sweep, so it was something. And the tank is still intact as yeah. the Nats drop two of three. It's those, uh, you know, here you go, Amanda. You're going to like this. You know how uh, in uh, the cap season when the caps lose, but Ovi scores a goal and obviously adds to his record, you, you tweet the gif of like, well, okay, yeah. Like that that's how I feel about the Nats. Like Soto homeward, but the Nats lost. Perfect case scenario. Right. I'll take it. Yeah. Yep. And Embracing Bell Homer twice. Tank. Yeah. So yeah, what are you guys what are you guys' thoughts over the season? Or obviously the season, but the, the series is what I meant to say. And uh the rest of the season, where do you guys kind of fall? Yeah, so the Mets stink. <laughs> like they're they're really, really bad. Um, I kind of thought the Nats could have taken the series, but the Nats, you know, they're just they're just tanking along. Um, it's all about individual results right now. Juan Soto did his thing. That's what matters. 
Uh, Bell had a good game. And even though the Mets won two, three, the Mets are an absolute disaster. Taiwan Walker is kind of mocking fans right now. Absolutely love the guy. Um, probably might be my favorite player right now. But yeah, look, we said it after the deadline, we're playing no expectation baseball. I have no expectations in any of this series. I would like to continue playing spoiler. This could have been a good time to, you know, put the final nail in the coffin for the Mets season, even though their GM probably just did that. But losing two or three is fine. Individual performances were good. Patrick Corbin absolutely reeks, even though that was before this series, but I need to bring it up again. And yeah, the tank is on, baby. Yeah, um, Corbin remains an epic disappointment. Um, sort of goes without saying at this point. I have no expectations. Again, we've talked so much about it. I do kind of still have to laugh, though, to think you you introduced this part of the this topic nick you said well they won a game and i'm like wow how our expectations have shifted like oh it's not so bad they won a game um yeah i think actually you know the the better the draft pick we get that's very nice you know whoever we draft may never make it to the bigs but it's always nice to have a high draft pick um improving the farm system further is definitely something that would be a nice bonus out of this season but um yeah i just it's embarrassing to lose to the Mets because they're so putrid, but it's fine. They were close games. They, you know, had the, the tying or winning run in the box at the end. And they have a lot lately. I mean, they're scrappy. They're, they're continuing to play. They're getting a lot of young guys, a lot of big league experience. And that's, that's really the most important thing that this team can do right now. And wins don't matter. So there's that. Yeah. That's basically what it comes down to. No expectations is a good thing, and I encourage people to kind of take advantage of it because this is a this is our reset period as fans too, where we can kind of just like clear our minds and, like I said, reset your expectations on this team and and just enjoy the ride, whereas not having to live and die on every game and uh, did we gain a game or lose a game in the standings? Like this can be a very a refreshing time as a fan and you don't have to be so serious about it and this is cool for us too because as you anyone listening knows the Nats have been uh whether it in the standings or in their minds contenders for a long time so now that they've adjusted their expectations we can in turn adjust our expectations to match theirs and we can just enjoy the ride watch these young guys succeed there can be silver linings and successes in these losses, even though they're not the most fun to endure, obviously we would love to win, but they are hard to watch. I will admit that. Like if you're not a diehard, this is not, this is not good baseball. It's not fun to watch, but if you're, if you love this team enough to want to learn about the, the young guys and to want to see the future and, you know, enjoy just some of the, just some of the small things about baseball, you know, without all the pressure, I think, it could be, it could be a good thing if you just watch it for what it is and and don't expect more of it than you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that's another reason why I encouraged people who might have been discouraged by obviously the the sale at the deadline and maybe their favorite player leaving the team to find a new favorite player, just find a new interest uh, on the team to follow them and root for them and watch their success and how they grow into this team. And part of that is coming to fruition already, but also tomorrow night, Kibe Ruiz is making his debut and it is the perfect timing. I 
have to imagine Rizzo had the primary hand in orchestrating this, but of course he is catching Josiah Gray, which is so exciting. We all wanted, right. That we wanted to see the return. If you were a fan that didn't want to trade max, that you were just clinging on to hope or whatever it may have been. Well, now you're like, well, where's the return? Why, why aren't we winning? Da, 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 da. Especially watching you don't Max understand. is doing right now. <laughs> right. Maybe you don't understand how trades in baseball work, especially with prospects. Well, here's your first opportunity of, of a glimpse of what we might not, might see for the next, you know, five to seven years, however long they're going to be with the team before we inevitably let them walk in free agency. Um, <laughs> but Josiah Gray, and Kiba Ruiz, Nick, we all know. Yeah, well, he's always there. Uh, but Josiah Gray and Kiba Ruiz is exactly what we want to see. I am hyped for this. Um, yeah, so I mean, he so Ruiz was down AAA for a little bit longer. He got to catch uh, a Cavalli start, which is pretty big. But now he's coming up for Gray. It's Gray Day. It's uh, Key Bear Day. It's going to be exciting. Both of them are up. The future is now. I'm a pretty sure both of their lockers going to be next to each other. Um, the Nats talk about how they wanted them to get this working together, to get familiar with each other, because how often they're going to be playing with each other. And just in case you guys forgot, like what type of player he is, he can hit. This man had only a 7% strikeout rate in AAA. Obviously that may not transfer to the major leagues. Guys strike out a lot. He hits the majority of his home runs from the left side. He is a switch hitting catcher. He also is a high contact catcher. He's hitting well over 300 in the minors. Catchers don't hit that high. Catchers mm-hmm. also don't normally hit for well power. Ruiz does both. He has a strong arm. He needs to work on his defense a little bit, but that's fine. I'm excited to see him. He has a lot of plus tools. He is a great framer, has a fantastic arm, little shaky defense, but that's fine. The tools are there for this guy to be legit. He's the number 19 prospect that will be pipeline for a reason. This guy is absolutely legit. And I'm so, so excited to see him make his debut. He's probably not going to come out, you know, hitting the ground running like we've seen with guys like, you know, Juan Soto or even Lane Thomas, but he's going to be legit and he's going to be good. And this is something that we can actually be excited about because for the last month, there hasn't really been anything we can get excited about. Doesn't now it seem like more than a month? I just yeah, saw somebody been, yesterday okay. say it's been a month. I'm like, it feels like it's been forever since the trade deadline. August has been so long. Yeah. Like, what is this month? Yeah, it feels it's, like it's because it's raining all the time, too. It's like every day is just rain. Yep. Yeah. It's been really, really tough baseball to watch as a Nats fan. So it is really exciting to have something to be legitimately happy and and excited about um, Ruiz is, you know, other than Josiah Gray, the the centerpiece of the the prospects we got back in the the teardown of the deadline. So to see them, you know, to see them play as a tandem is going to be super exciting, going to be a lot of fun. And I hope that for Nats fans who've been discouraged and maybe haven't been watching this, this gives you a reason to make this appointment television tomorrow. Well, today, if you're listening to this, it'll be Monday. Right. Uh, I saw a tweet from our friend Mark Zuckerman that of the 12 prospects we acquired at the deadline through the the various deals, five of them are already going to be with the big club, which is unheard of. Really unheard so of. So it's just another reason we have to give Mike Rizzo his props because part of the 
orchestration of the deadline deals was to get prospects back that didn't require too much seasoning. Some of them obviously needed that needed it like the, the Jordy Barley, the uh, Aldo Ramirez, they're going to take time before they get to the majors. And that's fine because Rizzo balanced the deal so well to get MLB ready prospects like a Josiah Gray, Mason Thompson, who started with the big club right away, Riley Adams, Kiba Ruiz, who can join the, the team very shortly after just getting acquainted mm-hmm. with the system and the organization. So it, it's very, very well done. Lane Thomas too, obviously. Uh, it's very, very well done by Mike Rizzo. And like I said, him calling up Kiber to match Josiah Gray's start, who's already building buzz every fifth day himself. This is a perfect reason to kind of reignite some uh, fanhood uh, amongst, you know, national station and, and whatnot. So this is well done. I am very excited. So clearly job mission accomplished, successful, Mm -hmm. whatever, by Mike Rizzo and company, uh, because this is kind of the buzz and the hype that the Nats needed going into really the rest of the season, going into the offseason, saying, hey, we have building blocks to, to work with. We can add some pieces and maybe 2022 isn't uh, uh, necessarily a window, but it's a stepping stone. We're going somewhere and it's not going to take too long because we have pieces like Kiber Ruiz in place and coming up. That's really exciting to see. And again, just definite props to Mike Rizzo because we've certainly slandered in him enough on this podcast. So we got to love props when they're due. Hey, so question for you guys, do you feel better, worse, or the same about the window before the Nats will be competitive again than you did a month ago, right after the deadline. Like now that we've seen five of these guys already come into the big leagues, what we've got, how everybody else is doing, like, how are you feeling about is next year realistically going to be competitive or do you think it's still no shot whatsoever? (laughs) You think they're going to go get some guys in the off season. I'm just wondering, are they going to try to be competitive next year? There's no shot. They'd be competitive next year. They have way too many holes right now. Like, if anyone thinks this team's going to be competitive next year, you're kidding yourselves. Even if you think this team's going to be competitive in 2023, you're probably still kidding yourselves. My view is exactly the same. It's going to take time. It's going to take a couple of years. When you say it's not a long one, that's like three years. There's a lot of steps and a lot they still need to do. They're doing a good job. The guys who are performing now, right now, it might just be a mirage because it's a very small sample size and they're playing well above who they were in the minors but it's still a good step in the right direction. They got very good pieces that helps, but there's no way in hell this team can be competitive next year. Like I still feel the same about it. It's going to take a couple of years and they're on the right path. I agree with that. I just wonder if they're going to, if they're going to acknowledge that they're not going to be competitive next year and build on this rebuild they're doing, or if they're going to try to go out and sign some guys in the off season. Well, they're going to have, like they're going to have to find a way to sign at least one building block because the only building block they have right now is Juan Soto, but Mike Rizzo said they're three years kind of behind. Released. Yeah, Mike Rizzo said they're three years behind where they were in 2009, and that took three years. Oh, I didn't they're, hear him say that. That's wait, funny. they're three years behind where they were in 2009? Yeah, after the trade deadline, he said they're a couple years behind where they were in 2009, and that took three years. To get to 2012 when they started winning makes- divisions. Because but their they, farm system reeks. No, that's well, why. I, I, know, I know that, but they also had two number one picks in that span too. So it doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, that, that certainly doesn't hurt. And obviously, those two number one picks, as we all know, turned into Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper. <clears throat> um, 
my expectations are about the same, but I'm not necessarily as low as I think Ryan is. Not that Ryan's, well, we all know how Ryan is. We love you, Ryan. But. I am realistic. I am never <laughs> wrong. Every single person doubts me and I always end up being right. Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am, I'm feeling realistic. I don't have uh, that high of hopes for 2022, but I am, you know, finding the, the, the positives in it. I, I think this team can do several things to take steps in the right direction. They can do things to accelerate the, this rebuild process. But the, the problem is you have to hit on so many moves for this process to even work right in general, let alone for it to be quicker than what a normal rebuild is. And that's something we haven't necessarily seen because we just haven't needed a lot of it. The moves we have seen were just like little things here and there because we had so much in place already that we were just making little moves and we saw so many of them miss or just, I guess, complacency that they didn't necessarily go out and make a big move for whatever reason. We, we've talked about that plenty over the years with, uh, you know, inactivity at the deadline or mm-hmm. whatever it may have been or not spending in the right places or spending too much in certain places, whatever. We've seen plenty of that. So there's not necessarily that benefit of the doubt there yet because we just haven't seen it. If they hit it on a couple moves this offseason, well, now we can really get to talking maybe even about the deadline next year, but that's not necessarily my expectation. My expectation is they have a good uh, young foundation. That foundation needs to all collectively take the next step. Carter Keboom needs to play at a very high level. You know, Luis Garcia needs to establish himself as, uh, you know, everyday presence and can't be a liability offensively. Victor Robles needs to hit. Like, there's still a lot that needs to be done for this rebuild to be. I'm sorry if you hear my dogs in the background. Um, for this rebuild to to be done in a proper amount of time, let alone as quickly as I'm sure they want it to be done. Um, but I agree with Ryan. Like, there's still so many holes. It's it's too much to be. F- corrected or fixed in one off season doesn't mean it can't be done. Doesn't mean I don't have faith that it will be done. It's just a lot. So my expectations are about the same. I'd say my expectations are maybe a little bit better than they were right after the deadline, because I didn't really know who these prospects were that we had traded for. And I feel, I don't feel like the time frame is different than I expected on a rebuild. I don't think they're going to be competitive next year. Although I do still worry a bit that they might get overzealous and try to compete too soon instead of completing the rebuild process in the way that they should. But I do feel more optimistic about the future because as you just mentioned, Nick, about how well Rizzo balanced who we were getting back and how quickly they were going to be in the big leagues, because we really needed an infusion of talent quickly, but also some guys that are down going to be down for a while and are going to be, you know, a few years out the future of the team. Uh, that's exciting too. And I do think another year where they, they make some trades and maybe even do similar what they did this year, which was load up on some one-year deals. They can flip easily at the deadline. Yeah, they have to do that. Yeah. That's exactly what I would do in the off season is, you know, pick up, pick up some veterans who are going to have some value at the trade deadline if you need them to. And uh, you know, maybe do this, do this trick he did this year one more time and also make some building block signings, at least one or two and yeah. then see what the following year looks like. 
like my best case scenario for the Nats as far as 2022 goes is very similar to what the Giants are going through right now. The Giants hit on so many one-year deals with Gosman, Scalfani, and a couple of not platoon players, but uh, those those role players. They, they hit on so many of them that they found themselves in a position to contend. So they went out and traded for Chris Bryant, right? Their uh, outlook past this season isn't great because they have to sign those guys and, you know, replace some guys who are going to go sign multi-year deals because they've earned it on the one-year prove a deal and whatnot. But that's something the Nats could do for 2022 but, but everything has again to, you would have to, to go right out. exactly and once everything gets there you know your your foundational pieces uh meet uh, a high level expectations whatever then you can do the all-in moves like we saw in the past couple of years like one all-in move was i see signing max scherzer when you already had a, a very strong rotation another one for whatever you, you think of it was trading for adam eaton like the Nats already had so much in place at the time of both those deals. And right now we're not even close to making a deal of that magnitude. Like if we sign someone large, big name in the offseason, it will be to build upon, not that one final piece we're looking for, you know? That makes sense. But for those fans of going all in, I have a message for you. Attention gamblers of all shapes and sizes. Our friends at Manscaped have a can't miss bet for you today. The leaders in male grooming just launched their fourth generation performance package. The betting odds are in your favor when you use the lawnmower 4.0. Across the board, this is the package to get you in the mood for whatever your gambling heart desires. Ready to take the leap into male grooming royalty? Two million men worldwide already have. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our promo code HSHH20. Like I said, gets you 20% off your entire order, no exclusions, and gets you free shipping. So there's literally no reason not to do it. And if you know you want to go all in even more, the Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped is the ultimate parlay to take your grooming game to the next level. So again, literally no reason not to do it with 20% off and free shipping using our promo code HSHH20. So go do that right now. Help us help you help us. Plus, who doesn't love a little gambling? Love a little gambling. It's legal in Virginia, so it's not frowned upon. It is legal now. I am sick of the damn commercials. I will say that. I've seen enough gambling commercials to last me forever. Nah, I I think they're entertaining. But I also like gambling, so. Uh, But as Ryan said, it's not a gamble when you always win. So, Mm -hmm. and you're always right. All right. We're going to just do something fun, switch it up. It's been a little bit uh, since we've done this style of draft. You know we love doing drafts on Half Street Hot Heat, but we're going to switch it up. The NL East has been, for the most part, terrible this year. The Braves have made it somewhat respectable, but definitely are in last place among division leaders by a sizable margin. So we are going to try to put together an NL East team that could hopefully, in theory, contend. The way it's going to work is our pool of players is the NL East. If they're outside the NL East, doesn't count. So, Amanda, no, you cannot draft Max Scherzer. Sorry. How about Ovechkin? No. No. <laughs> um, but it's pretty straightforward. We're going to do a starting nine. We'll do one pitcher. Um, obviously, you're going to need more than one pitcher to, to contend. But just for the sake of the draft, we're not going to do a you know 16-round fantasy football style draft. 
we're just gonna do a quick starting nine and then a pitcher round it out see how this team w- would go we'll, we'll say a wild card game right who are you on the mound and obviously you need a lineup to do so everyone clear on the rules i think so so are we drafting the pitcher we're doing nine plus pitcher nine plus pitcher okay and pitcher last or we can pick the pitcher whenever no you can go in any order you want okay cool all right let me pull up my random.org i can't find the name one do 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 i'm just gonna do dice roller roll dice uh who's okay hold on i'm rolling it again this is scintillating. I know you were going to say it. I was. All right. So I get first pick. Amanda gets second pick. Ryan gets third pick. Snake draft as always. Snake draft as always. As always. And so this is kind of fitting because I get first pick in my fantasy draft. So I'm used to the pressure. Um, but obviously, if, if we're doing it as far as a wild card game goes, the choice for me is obvious. You need the best on the mound. Gives you the best chance to win. Uh, in this scenario, by the way, everyone is healthy. So someone like Ronald Acuna would be healthy in this situation, just, you know, for, for clarity and with posterity. Is that the right word, Amanda? Does no, that make sense? It's not really the right word for posterity. I'm rolling with it for posterity. Um, <laughs> Ronald Acuna is healthy, which means my guy is healthy as well. I'm going Jacob DeGrom. I have to. <sighs> I was going to be my first pick. How could you pick anybody else in the NL? Yeah, there's plenty of position players that, you know, you couldn't argue against, but if we're talking wild card game, I I need the best pitcher available. And that's Jacob DeGrom, obviously. All right, Amanda, you get second pick. All right. Um, I'm going to go Homer here and just take Soto. I'm didn't expect anything less. No, I got to do it. I would have taken DeGrom first if I had had the first pick. But, I, you know, Soto is going to be one of the best players in all of baseball, especially the NL East, which is so bad. So uh, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong having Soto on your roster. Certainly cannot. All right, Ryan, two to you. Um, There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of ways I can go. Um, I'm going to the best player who has one ACL. I'm going Ronald Acuna with my <laughs> first pick. And then I am following that with his teammate, Freddie Freeman. All right. Yeah, pretty solid. <laughs> yeah. All right, Amanda, Can't back to go you. go wrong there. Okay, so I've got an outfielder. Let me think. Um, I am going to go. Ryan, just for the record, where are you playing Acuna? Um, he is playing center field. Center field? Okay. Because mm-hmm. obviously you can, you can shift guys around. I'm sure you don't want Victor Robles in center field. Probably not. Okay. Um. I like the raw power i'm gonna god this is I'm like trying I'm, my head spinning i'm like trying to go through the rosters in my head of all the different <laughs> nle's teams i'm like who do i want um i'm gonna go with an infielder hmm because i took outfield already let me go i'm thinking about pete alonzo i like home runs i would love a just a selection here in general yeah okay like, all right awesome. i'll go alonzo Okay. Well, Uh, well, you screwed it. I'm going Bryce Harper, JT Real Muto. That's easy for me. Harper, no matter how you feel about him, like Ryan said earlier, leading the majors in OPS right now, JT Real Muto, best catcher in baseball. I am set up nicely. JT Real Muto stinks. Okay. Hold on. Give me a second. I'm writing these down so that we actually have 
a list since we never do. We're always like, and then who do oh, I'm writing it down. I'm good. Okay, good. So you don't need. Okay, so back to me. Um, let's see. I'm gonna go. I guess I'm gonna take a picture because I don't want to find myself waiting until the end. Um, I'm really liking Max Freed right now. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna go Max Freed. Hmm, interesting. Probably uh I'm trying to think. I mean, there's a couple of dark horse guys you could go with, but probably the best lefty in the NL East, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm and he's he's just he's having through. a yeah. I know. I'm just kind of thinking. Like I said, it's hard to like think through the rosters of all five teams like on the right. fly. But yeah. yeah, I just I I've been impressed by him this season. So I'm. I'm and he almost won a Cy Young last year. So yeah, yeah. All right, Definitely Ryan. Do a lot worse. Two to you. <laughs> Um, so I am going pitcher here as well, but I'm actually going to go with a good pitcher and I'm going Zach <laughs> Wheeler. He leads baseball oh, in strikeouts is. and innings pitch. Um, he also, <laughs> he leads baseball in complete games, shutouts, inning pitch strikeouts, his ERA is two nine. It would be a lot lower if, um, Girardi wasn't an idiot. So he is my ace and my workhorse. He's also a legit Cy Young candidate. So I'm it's going, funny how disrespectful Ryan read off those stats. <laughs> You're just like, what a dumb pick. <laughs> yeah, he's everything Ryan does is disrespectful. It's kind of his brand. Um, and then I am going infielder. I am going solely off this year. He is actually a sneaky MVP candidate, but I'll never admit it because he's on the Braves. I am going Austin Riley. He has a four and a half war, 134 mm-hmm. OPS plus. He's having a fantastic season and he's going to be my third baseman. Good pick. I like, it. I like it. I like it. Okay. Who have I picked? I've got a pitcher and I've got a first baseman and an outfielder, right? So yes. let me think. Let me think. Um, I need to find a catcher. Can I take Kiber Ruiz? Does he count since he's making his debut tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, you can. <laughs> I guess there's yeah. no rule against it. No, I know. I'm not going to do that, though, because he's... Uh... Yeah, you know what? What the hell? I'm going to do it. We're just having fun. I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a team that... That'll go... Because we're going to put this up on Twitter, right? And Nats fans are going to vote on it. I'm going... I'm going to do it. I mean, you're having fun. I'm playing the win. Um. So, gosh... There's a couple of different ways I can go. I feel like I need to grab him. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to go Aussie Albies. I don't I'm trying to think because is Muncie technically a first baseman now? Yes. No, I don't know. Max Muncie. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I'm just drawing a blank. I'm genuinely asking, is there a second baseman better than Aussie Albies currently? Not in the NL East. Well, yeah, certainly not in not. the NL East, but I was just trying to think in general before I claimed him mm. the best second baseman. I mean, he's he's top five. For yeah, sure. I'm, I'm just drawing a blank. But anyways, you know, you can't really go against that pick. So I'm going Ozzy Albies. Um, man, I want to go shortstop, <laughs> but shortstop's pretty tough. Um, I don't want to do it. <laughs> mainly because i don't want ryan to get mad at me not mad but like i don't want ryan to bully me because i get sad when ryan bullies me (laughs) i got i'll do it just if only based off potential i'm gonna go francisco lindor 
I feel like that's probably. I mean, the only I'm, person I'm go- everyone in the entire division sucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going off. <laughs> yeah, you don't there. have great. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I'll go Lindor, solidify my middle. Okay, I'm gonna go. I guess. God, I'm thinking shortstop. Like it's it's not there's not great options. <laughs> um, I guess I guess I'll go Dansby Swanson. I mean, he's not bad. He's just like he's he's not bad. I, I, just, I view him like, as like replacement level. I don't yeah, know if that's exactly. the right term, but like he he's not a liability, but he's not necessarily uh, yeah. untouchable. Like yeah, not a world beater or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Ryan, two to you. Two to me. This is tough. I just uh-huh. wrote down Swansby. Swansby. Like, I like it. Swanson Dansby. I wrote down Swansby. I meant, yeah. We would know there, what you meant. You so that's what's important. There you go. He's Swansby now. Um, This is tough. <laughs> this is, I didn't know how this draft was going to go, but then when you yeah. really have to dive down into the mud of the alleys, it <laughs> yeah. is not fun. It's not cool at all. <laughs> All right, so shortstop, I am going Jazz Chisholm. Fun, exciting this... player. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, he he definitely plays shortstop, but I I thought he was their second baseman, and Rojas plays shortstop. Or did I make that up? They both rotate. Okay, that's fine. I was just curious. Um, so I got him at short, and then uh, I guess I guess second base will go Baez. Like everyone else sucks at that position. <laughs> I don't feel good about it, but like. At least like fans will come and see him, and he's th- he has a three WAR somehow and twenty five home runs, but he's gonna strike insane. out a thousand times. But he's my second baseman, and I love him, Javi Baez. Yeah, I was just looking at him, and I'm thinking like I'm looking at the rosters at second baseman in the NL East, and I'm like, God, this is garbage. <laughs> Pretty much. Like I'm looking at like Jonathan VR. I mean, who are we? Who are we, what are we doing here? So are we allowed to use anybody who is an infielder if we're going to like just pick our, we're supposed to be doing starting nine, right? So we need one of each position. Are we allowed to? Just... Uh, yeah. You can't put like, uh, I don't know, even know who's available. You can't put a catcher in like center field or something like that. Got it. Got it. Got it. You got to keep them in their position groups. Yeah. They have to play pos- that position. Okay. Even if it's All on right. a, a rotating basis. On a rotating basis. Um, so it's my turn again, right? It is. This is harder than it seems like it should be. Um, who else do I have for infielders available? Mm. I don't know. It's your pick. I'm not helping you. I know. Let me think. I'm going to go with... So Josh Bell only ever plays first base, and I already have a first baseman. Yep. So, and I, who else did I? Oh, I took Alonzo. Does he play anything else? Does Alonzo play anything else? I could call Josh no. Bell my first baseman. No. Damn, I'm running out of decent options here. Um, I guess Freddie Galvis. I guess Freddie Galvis. For what? Mm. I guess for second, he plays shortstop, right? Does he ever play second? I don't know. Second, he does. I just pulled up his baseball reference page. It says shortstop <laughs> and second baseman. All, All right. right. Freddie Galvis. Galvis. All right. Um, so I'm just trying to round out my roster. 
I need a center fielder, a left fielder, a third baseman, and a first baseman. You uh, you both have first baseman, so I feel I can wait. Um, I'm going to try to grab a third baseman and an outfielder before Amanda does. God, this, this stinks. It's um, not easy. This is harder than it seems. Yeah, this is not fun. I guess I'll go uh, Brian Anderson. He's not doing as well this year, but uh, again, we're going for potential here, and it's not necessarily fun. Um, and then outfielder, I can't stand him. He's he's the most annoying. I know Ryan's going to have a comment, but he gets on base. Uh, he gets some hits somehow. He's annoying, but it is what it is. I'll, I guess I'll go Brandon Nimmo for center. Mm-hmm. All right, Amanda, back to you. Okay. I guess I'm going to go. Let me think. Looking at outfield, I think. I guess I'll go Conforto. For left field? Yeah, I guess it's, it has to be left field. Yeah, I guess it has to be. Because he doesn't really play center. Okay, Ryan, two to you. You need left field, right field, and catcher. Is that right? Yes, yeah. I do. Um, So going solely off his Brave stats, I am going to throw Jorge Soler in left field. Actually, uh, no. True. I'm going to throw him in right field. I'm going to throw him in right field. Um. He has a 900 OPS. He's slugging 511. This is more true. more power to me and my lineup. So I'm going Jorge Soler in right field. And then catcher, um, he kind of reeks, but so does everyone else. Uh, I'm going James McCann. Future Nat. Future Nat. James Future McCann. <laughs> I'm going James McCann. Get good betting odds on that. Yep. There you go. Amanda, you need a center fielder, a third baseman center fielder and a third baseman. Okay. Looking at who are my center field options left here. Did somebody take a double Herrera? No, you can have a double Herrera. <laughs> yeah. You can have a Yeah. Okay. I guess I don't have a lot of options. I'll go with, I'll go with that. I know who's not winning this draft. Um, right. Okay. I know this to- is shitty options. Sorry. I said a bad word. To round out my draft, uh, it's not great, but it is what it is. Um, For left field, he's been sneaky. Like, he hasn't been bad. This isn't really pandering because he's been solid. I'm going to go Yadiel Hernandez to play left field because he's been sneaky good. Uh, but for first baseman, I would love, love, love to go Josh Bell, but there is a first baseman that has been better than him this year. He's been super underrated. He's been absolutely mashing 22 home runs, 89 RBIs. That is Jesus Aguilar. So that rounds out my team. Okay. So what do I have left? Third base? Third base. Mm. Okay. Wow. There's no good options. <laughs> uh, you pretty much, it's like Alec Boehm or Carter Keepum. Right. I guess I'll go Keyboom, who has been on the upswing. I'm going to go, I'm going to be optimistic about Keyboom, which I was not earlier in the season, but I, I think he's, he's improving. So if I have to pick one of those two, I'll go with Keyboom. Sure. <laughs> okay. Ryan, round it out with your left fielder. So my left fielder, I am going with a all around great human being. Um, I don't want that trash Odubo Herrera. I am going with someone who's going to be great in the clubhouse. And, you know, we'll get a nice clutch hit or two for me. And I'm going Adam Andrew Eaton. McCutcheon. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going Andrew McCl- uh, McCutcheon 
to play left field for me. I don't know why he went Odubel over Andrew McCutcheon, <laughs> yeah, to be honest. I forgot about Andrew McCutcheon. So. That was an interesting, interesting I thought you were going to say Para there for a second. You're God, I would oh. jump out my window. <laughs> oh, God. Honestly, I would have respected you, Amanda, if... Oh, the only reason I would have respected... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I would have respected if you went Para just for the sake of, like, tanking this draft. Right, and for antagonizing <laughs> Ryan, which is always fun for all Well, that us. too, but, like, just tanking this draft and, like... <laughs> just Embracing the a, tank, a right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, embracing the tank because you know no NLE's team is... Yeah, I totally forgot about McCutcheon, so there you go. All right, to recap the teams, my team, Jacob DeGrom on the mound... JT Romuto, Jesus Aguilar, Ozzy Albies, Brian Anderson, Francisco Lindor, Bryce Harper, Brendan Nimmo, Yadiel Hernandez. Amanda has Max Fried on the bump with Kibe Ruiz catching, Pete Alonso, Freddie Gallus, Carter Keeboom, Dansby Swanson, otherwise known as Swansby, Juan Soto, <laughs> Odubo Herrera, Michael Conforto. And then Ryan has Zach Wheeler on the bump with James McCann catching, Freddie Freeman, Javi Baez, Austin Riley, Jazz Chisholm, Jorge Soler, Ronald Acuna, healthy, of course, and Andrew McCutcheon. Not um be honest, I'm not sure any of those teams are competing. But nope, not a say was my exact thought. I was just listening to you read this off and be like, <laughs> if our intention was to build a contender, we have all failed. <laughs> Shout I mean, out NL East. Mine's competing. One one of these teams is not like the other. We'll put it that way. All right, if you say so. I don't think any of those teams are in contention. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it. Obviously, we will post this on Twitter because we can't do anything on this podcast without having a definitive winner. So please go vote on our poll. We'll probably post that. Uh, I like posting it the day after so that way people get a chance to listen to the episode before we you know, post any spoilers of what we did on the episode. So we'll probably go up sometime Tuesday, maybe around lunchtime. Take a gander at our teams, vote who wins, and if those was all a moot point because none of these teams are going to contend but as we do with every episode we're going to wrap it up with our one big thing do you guys have anything before we head out uh mine would be just watch the game tomorrow which will be today if you're listening to this of Um, course get yourself in on some of this some of this you know optimism for the future it's it's been a really hard month as a Nats fan it's been tough to watch Max Scherzer just kick an acre of ass in a Dodgers uniform um, it's been tough to watch people be like, wow, this Trey Turner guy is really good. It super pisses me off. Um, like he was always good. He was just ours and nobody paid attention to him when he was here, but you know, getting to see Ruiz and, um, gray together is, is the payoff we get for all of that misery. So make sure that you enjoy it. Take the time to try to, as you keep saying, Nick, fall in love again. This, these are the guys you're going to fall in love with. So and debuts are always really, really fun. So make sure you watch because when Ruiz is our catcher and he's doing great years from now, you'll want to be able to tell people how you watched his debut. Yeah, very excited for uh, Key Bear to debut. I, obviously, you want him to do well, but I really hope he does well so that way he gets everyone, all the, the haters and the doubters off his back. I would love to see some uh, instant gratification Yes. For, from his performance. Not to put too much pressure. K-Bear. I've heard it said both ways. So some I can't remember who it was. Like after the trade happened, they were like, oh, it's pronounced K-Bear. They literally broke it down. What do you call that when you do? Phonetically. The, phonetically. Thank you. They they said K-Bear. But then he, there's a video of him saying K-Bear. Oh. And I'm like, uh, so I'm just sticking with K-Bear until I hear. Otherwise, I figured once we actually see him tomorrow with the big club, we'll, we'll get some clarification on the situation, but 
it's kind of up in the air right now. All right, fair enough. Ryan, you got anything? Um, I got nothing. I'm excited about Ruiz. Him and Gray, it's gonna be fun. The future is now. Let's get it. The future is now, old people, or <laughs> otherwise known as Nats fans. Uh, or MLB yeah, fans. Yeah, or MLB fans. Yeah, <laughs> this is that's a that's a fair point. Yeah, that's really all I got. We talked about off the top with uh, Josiah and Kibear. I'm just gonna say Ruiz with Gray and Ruiz as battery mates. We get to see a glimpse of the future tomorrow, and I'm very very excited for that. That it, it's must watch TV. I only wish it was on ESPN. That. And not that I love ESPN, I just don't want to have to endure Mass and, and what comes oh, with you Mass. You could sync it up with Charlie and Dave. Yeah, that's true. It's a lot of work, though. But it is. It might, I find it might, myself it might have saying to be, I'm going to do it, and then I never do. You know, the things you do for love, right? Uh, I love Josiah Gray. I already love Kibbe Ruiz. So the things you do for love, you have to sync your radio with your TV to, you know, make the game more enjoyable. Not that it wouldn't be enjoyable with those two as battery mates anyways. But all right, that's all we got as a show. Be sure to check out halfstreethighheat.com, street with the ST. Halfstreethighheat.com, all the latest articles. Uh, we are starting to pump out content again. We're all trying to get back into a routine with, you know, some of our, our team is back in school and obviously we're all working full time and whatnot. But we are pumping out articles pretty much daily. So be sure to check that out. We have very timely a Josiah Gray breakdown article coming soon. We have a, a week weekday series uh, breakdown coming soon. So Colt's going to Colt is a new writer of ours. He's going to break down the upcoming games for this week. So you guys get a little preview on what to check out for. There's going to be some great player breakdowns, obviously some more Monday mailbags, some uh, free agency previews, highlighting certain impending free agents that uh, the Nats should or would probably keep an eye out on for so a lot of content be sure to keep up with the website and uh, check that out daily and obviously follow the show at half street high heat follow me at nationals eighth nationals ace not eighth uh amanda (laughs) at a white 7877 ryan at we are all shack you guys got anything else before we go i think we're good let's go nats all right heaters we will talk to you on Thursday. Until then, let's go Nats. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go Nats We're gonna score for score We're gonna win for sure So call your local congressman We need another monument The Nats are rolling on the win roll D.C. Let's go Nats By the early light of dawn Well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching Are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress That they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's In every book Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go Nats 
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.